0: Welcome to Layer Zero. Layer Zero is a podcast of unscripted conversations with the people that make up the Ethereum community. Crypto is built by code, but it's composed by people. And each individual member of the crypto community has their own story to tell. Cypherpunks understood that the code they write impacts the people that use it. And Layer Zero focuses on the people behind the code because Ethereum is people all the way down. And it always has been. Today on Layer Zero, I'm talking to my friend Julia. And Julia works at Orca Protocol. And... Uh, I, without expecting it, get what's called, I guess, orca-pilled during the show as we talk about things like DAO governance and DAO structure and where DAOs are currently and where they are going to be. Now, I don't know if I'm behind the curve on this conversation or ahead of the curve on this conversation, but I think we just created a new meme on this podcast called the modular DAO. Uh, DAOs being in their current form, monolithic DAOs, just like how blockchains all started uh, monolithic. Uh, and some or blockchains have then progressed into becoming modular, and modular DAO, modular blockchains becoming the, the new frontier level of crypto economic research. I think DAOs are in that same state where every single DAO right now is monolithic, as in there's token weighted governance governing over every single decision, and it's causing apathy. It's you can't the DAO can't go in all directions at once, and so some DAOs. Are on the t, uh, are flirting with the frontier of monolithic DAO structure, and that's really what Orca Protocol is. Or, uh, Julia works at Orca, uh, and they are pioneering on-chain compartmentalization of DAOs to have more like what they call pods, but like sub DAOs or like an org chart of DAOs for for uh, if you will. And so we talk about the current state of DAOs and their problems. We talk about. Uh, organizational history, both in TradFi, traditional institution org chart, and how that came about, but also its flaws. We talk about the United States of America as the original DAO and how DAOs need to adapt from this monolithic strategy into a modular strategy. And I just get completely pilled during this episode. You can literally hear the moment it happens about this whole a uh, pod-pilled or modular DAO strategy. So let's go ahead and get into this conversation with Julia Rosenberg of Orca Protocol and get you pod-pilled right after we listen to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. What's up, Jules? How's it going?
1: Up? Hi, David.
0: Uh, this is a very rare opportunity of an in real life podcast. I know. I'm Welcome. very blessed by by your presence.
1: Welcome mm. to Williamsburg, finally. Oh,
0: I'm having a fantastic time being here, uh, <laughs> and very bullish on in real life podcast. So we're going to see how this goes. you yeah. are going to be my my first guinea pig.
1: Oh, I'm very excited to test this out.
0: So, what are you here to do in crypto?
1: The ultimate question. I think that, um, I am here in crypto to. Figure out how we can use crypto and uh, Ethereum, the blockchain, to better scale human coordination, and how we can actually use this trust layer of the blockchain to um, actually better scale the w- better scale trust in organizations mm-hmm. and DAOs.
0: Okay, and how do we do that?
1: How do we do that?
0: Can we skip to the end? Can we just like
1: <laughs> show the, me the solution, the magic pill? Yes, right. <laughs> um. Well, I think. Sadly, it's a very iterative process. Mm. Um, I have been using this sort of framework that um, we created at Orca called Trustware and Socialware. Okay. We love new words. Yes. (laughs) And basically the idea is that um, Socialware is a mechanism that creates assurances through human coordination. This is playing software? Yes. Where Software, hardware. Cool. These are different flavors. Cool. So Socialware is more of the social processes and policies of an organization. Mm-hmm. Whereas trustware is creating an assurance mechanism that minimizes the reliance on human coordination and human relationships, mm. um, which is more of you know codifying the trust centers of an organization, which we haven't really had the opportunity to do yet with traditional organizations because um, really traditional organizations use like digitization as a communications layer rather than a trust layer. And that's something that we're very familiar with in crypto is using, um, you know, Ethereum blockchain as a trust layer for our interactions, whether that be financial, whether that be around NFTs, any, all of these things. And so trustware is a new concept that we're able to use in DAOs to better scale human coordination um, using these sort of digitized trust centers of organizations.
0: Digitized Trust Centers of Organizations. Okay. So, yeah. the, so, so like
1: an example of trustware would be like the governor contract, like uh-huh. that is a small primitive that was used to better scale decision-making around different proposals that What's doesn't a governor rely contract? On. The governor contract is the contract that is used um, for token weighted voting. So okay. it's something that compound created a few years ago um, and it's now kind of like the standard contract for uh, token weighted voting.
0: So when people say we forked compound governance, that's what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, that's all okay. that they're talking about is okay. the governor contract, right. which is basically the state of all the governance today <laughs> is this thing that was created like two years ago. Sick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if I should be bullish or bearish. As a result of that.
1: <laughs> I mean, it is kind of a an interesting state that like the governor contract was created and people were like, we did it. <sighs> mm-hmm. We figured it out. This is a centralized governance, like mm-hmm. token way to voting. That's all we need to do. And now we're in this phase of like, Completely storming against DAOs and DAO processes and governance because we're like, this doesn't work. Like, there's too many whales that are voting. Like, they can sway the vote. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, voter apathy. People are engaged. People don't care. Like, they're not informed enough to be making these decisions. And we have all of these problems now that exist with token weighted voting, which like, we, uh, you know, probably could have anticipated a little bit better. Okay. But I think it's really important now because I think people are seeing how important governance is at this stage, and. uh, we are starting to see organizations and DAOs starting to iterate more on those governance processes because Mm -hmm. I think um, people understand the weight of those processes and sort of the friction that it's creating and basically becoming like a foot gun on these organizations. Mm
0: -hmm. So I think here's how we can like speed run the history of the recent history of crypto, the recent ancient history. Uh, Compound makes its governor contract Mm -hmm. and simultaneously releases the comp token Which kicks off the bull market. Yep. (laughs) So thanks, Compound, (laughs) for that. And I think like when we had all these DeFi apps, we had Uniswap that launched in 2019, uh, and then a number of other DeFi applications came out after that. Compound Mm -hmm. being one of them. We had like there was a lot of people who were like, "These, this is these are the fundamentals of crypto. DeFi is like what we're here to do." And then with the Compound Governor contract, it created the the um, route the vehicle, the path for all of these DeFi apps to have a token, mm-hmm. and that's really where this bull market got started. It's like, oh, we have we have justifications for tokens now. After yes. everyone got burned in 2017 from ICO tokens that yep. were meaningless, Compound created the Governor contract and gave a meaning to tokens. Yes, and so for all the DeFi people, we're like, yes, we solved it. Like we figured out how to tokenize <laughs> stuff. It's with governance, and so we have these governance tokens and then now we've solved like DeFi tokenization. And then that kicked off a bull market and now then we all got drunk on the bull market and now we're having our hangover and our hangover is like, no, 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 no. You just added a, you just brought us back to square one which is the original problem of humanity which is governance, right? So like you don't solve problems by governance. Uh, you just solved the fact that we now have tokens to speculate on via governance.
1: That is a beautiful summary. David. Yeah.
0: Okay. But I also
1: think that, like, it's we're not back to square one. I think that we just kind of like lost sight of it because, like, of this beautiful path that Compound Pay Forward in being able to have this token with like um, utility that you can quite literally see. Yeah. Um, and creating the path for many, many DeFi projects to launch a token um, that, that basically just became the path to creating a DAO. Mm-hmm. So everyone now, when you create a DAO, you launch a governor contract or you do something very similar via like snapshot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what was missing in a lot of that and was catching up to people now is that we didn't really implement the social systems to uh, actually create meaningful governance around that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of part of this framework that we created with Orca is like the trustware versus socialware is that if you over-index on either, you foot on your organization. Foot gun, mm-hmm. meaning like you shoot yourself in the foot, like you're creating problems for yourself. Okay. And if you over-index on either of those, like you're creating massive problems for yourself. And so I think what's happened with a lot of DAOs is that they've over-indexed on the trustwares. like We rely wholeheartedly on on-chain governance. Right. and like the governor contract and, you know, you make a proposal and then token holders vote on it.
0: Governor contract is law. Code is law.
1: Exactly. But then we're like, why is no one showing up to vote? Like, where are the people? Mm. Why is there no informed decision making around the proposals that are going up? Where's the culture? Where's the culture? Where's the community? All of these things. And so we started realizing that we're missing some of these social work processes, Mm -hmm. which is just like, kind of the social bedrock and social policies and processes that exist in an organization. Like, I bet if you went and asked, well, as a fun fact, even like delegates don't solve this problem. And like 75% of compound delegates have never voted on an on-chain proposal in Hmm. their lifespan Hmm. of being a compound delegate. Um, And again- What, What
0: signal should we get from that? What does that tell us?
1: I think that tells us, it's a good question. Well, it's also potentially um, the other side of that fact is that equates to like 80% of all delegated compound. Mm -hmm. So the majority Mm -hmm. of delegated compound is voting because I think they understand the responsibility of it, but the majority of delegates are not voting. And I think that says more about our delegate systems is that people don't understand the responsibility they're taking on when they...
0: Become a delegate. Become a
1: delegate. Right. And we don't actually have clear responsibilities of what that even means. Like when we say like, oh yeah, like I'll be a delegate. Like, sure, delegate your tokens to me. Like this is fun. It's kind of like- <laughs> (laughs) popularity contests, like you get to see all these people delegate to me
0: i can have a bunch of points yeah exactly (laughs) give me me the points (laughs) so i can be higher on the compound's top 16 favorites
1: exactly like jules.eth yeah (laughs) (laughs) but then you start to realize you're like wait what am i even supposed to be doing like i'm not getting paid for this like Mm -hmm. why should i even like waste my time on this like i'm not gonna get punished if i don't vote on behalf of all these people Mm -hmm. people don't actually care enough to undelegate to me right so like it's really just a broken system in that sense. And I think that's where like all of the social wear comes in is like, you need to create these sort of policies and processes around how people operate in these systems. And I think like makers done a really good job of that with their delegate system is that when you apply to become a delegate, like you have to you know, say like, this is sort of the platform I'm running on. And like hmm. there's um, compensation involved and like there's a much clearer uh, relationship there of what is expected of you. And that's all just social wear. That's not, there's nothing on chain that's saying like, you know, Hasu or Monet supply, like if these statements actually happen. Right, right,
0: right, It's just understood in the social layer. Yes. It's like social, socially people know that Hasu is about this life and that Monet is about that life. Yes. And that's not codified on chain anywhere. Yes, So just, just to like differentiate between trust wear and social wear just a little bit more. Trustware is, is what do you call it, like synonymous with code is law? Like it's on the chain, uh, token gate it, voting, uh, we don't really need too much more than what's the data that's available on the blockchain. And then socialware is like literally everything off chain. Would you accept those um, loose definitions?
1: Yeah. I sort of like the comparison of like a lemonade stand versus a vending machine. Like mm. a lemonade stand re- relies on socialware of mm. like you, the vendor, like right. are asking for payment and mm. I'm agreeing to those rules. Sure. Whereas vending machine is like, if I literally don't put the money in, like I don't get my right. output. Right. I don't get my lemonade. Okay. And I think that is the key difference is like the reliance on human coordinations or humans to execute on the decisions that remain. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: What do you have any examples for us of organizations or things that have? Because uh, you talked about over-indexing on mm. either one or the other. Yeah. Do you have any examples of a DAO
1: or org that over-index on one versus the other? Any stories around that? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is something I love to talk about and shit on is, uh, traditional organizations generally sure. uh-huh. is, um, them basically over-indexing on social wear. Mm. And so, uh, not real, on
0: purpose though, right?
1: No, again, like, I think it's something that they've done on accident and sort of foot okay. themselves as, um, a lot of these things were actually really, really productive over time. Like in what's really interesting in the United States is over the last like a hundred years productivity. In the united states has been on like a crazy upwards trajectory hmm. like every year we just become more and more productive as a workforce and obviously there are like things in there that created massive gains for us like the industrial revolution and then like telecommunications and the internet and computers and all of these things but what's really interesting is that in the last 10 years like when technology and digitization is at an all-time high is that we've actually plateaued in our productivity rates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not we're actually becoming increasingly less productive and efficient um, as like a workforce, which is I think um, a very interesting thing to think about. And like my sort of thesis on it is that a lot of it is that the sort of um, improvements we're trying to make, is really mostly in digitization, like more software, more technology, like, you know, let's just add another SaaS tool to this organization, or, you know, what's the next thing we can do up? Um, And where traditional organizations have failed is that they increasingly add more friction via these sort of social wear mechanisms. So add a better expense, like reporting software, add like, you know, some... TradFi like software that generic
0: project management tool exactly that we have a meeting about to update every like three days
1: exactly and so that's a big part of the problem I think is that um we've basically over uh like indexed on the social processes so like this is something I go back to all the time is Reed Hastings like culture like Netflix culture presentation that he did in, in, I think 2008 um, where he really de-emphasized bureaucracy and um, creating these types of processes. Like he felt very early on that the key to success in corporate culture is autonomy and freedom and flexibility and sort of self-responsibility, which I think is... The
0: opposite of what I associate with corporate culture. Exactly.
1: Which I think is really interesting. I think there's a lot to learn there and like very synonymous with some of the values we see in DAOs. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And... Real quick, like side quest. Why is something like a project management tool or like some expense tool, some trad web two software, why is that trustware not... Or why is that socialware not trustware?
1: Because we're not relying on it for the execution of these things. Like it's really just a means of... Mm. Um, analyzing things further and I think that's where some of the efficiency or productivity plateau has come in is that our digitization isn't around making things happen quicker or faster or better it's actually analyzing how people Uh, are working and talking about the
0: problem exactly not doing not fixing the problem it's like
1: measuring the problem rather than executing on the problem okay and so like all of this expense software that we see in like traditional companies is really just measuring like how much is David spending every month? Like, mm-hmm. and you know, through all of these layers, like that put like a person further away from David to make a decision mm. based on like if mm. he's spending too much and if we should approve these expenses. Okay. Rather than so somebody
0: like three degrees away from me yeah. is saying that like David is being a degenerate and we need to fire <laughs> him or something, not knowing that like I'm actually doing allegedly really good stuff.
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so those are the types of things that really slow down people and organizations. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, like I kind of pointed to the example of over-indexing on trustware when like some of these DAOs solely rely on like the governor contract or Mm -hmm. other on-chain mechanisms to like build out their governance systems. And again, that doesn't really like leave us in a good place in terms of how us as people are supposed to operate in a system. And so I think that where we're starting to converge with some of the, like, outcries I think we've recently seen around centralized governance is that we need to meet somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and that, like, trustware independently independently um, isn't, can't be successful without, like, layers of social wear around it and vice versa.
0: Is, so there was this recent meme going around a couple months ago, uh, right during the peak of like private market hotness uh-huh. was like DAO tooling, like, <laughs> like DAO tooling, like this DAO tool raised this much money, this DAO tool raised that much money. Yeah. Is DAO tooling like part of this trying to get at the social wear layer of DAOs? Is that is that kind of similar?
1: That's a good question. Um,
0: or where are we innovating at the trust wear layer?
1: Yeah. What, I mean, what does
0: innovation on the trust wear layer look like?
1: I think that's where we're still really struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something like I'm obviously working on with Orca is um, like we're in the business of basically building trustware. So Mm -hmm. our key trust primitive are pods, Mm -hmm. um, which is the ability to group like small stakeholders based on their expertise and empower them in governance. Um,
0: When you say group them in what capacity? Like you put them into a room? together (laughs) or like how how are we this is the new
1: web3 airbnb actually (laughs) (laughs) no so we're basically creating like a permissions layer around these groups of people and saying you know based on x y and z criteria or based on you know this stakeholder mapping that this organization has done you have the permission Mm -hmm. to execute on um high Functioning governance parameters. We're talking about
0: on-chain at this point. Yes, okay, completely on-chain. So the group of people is a group of Ethereum addresses on-chain that are approved to do something. Yes. So is Orca trying to make like an on-chain org chart?
1: Basically, yeah. yeah. Like what Orca enables is um, sort of mapping your stakeholders in your mm-hmm. organization, and as a result, like helping define your organizational shape. Okay. Um, and that, in a way, also creates like this per like decentralized permissions layer that Mm -hmm. you can better interact with all the tools that you're operating with.
0: Okay. So it it allows, is it optimizing for like more user individuality and autonomy by breaking one DAO up into smaller DAOs and allowing those smaller DAOs to move faster by the nature of what smaller organizations do because they're not held back by their bigger DAO. And then the bigger DAO just votes or by governance determines what the smaller DAOs actually are.
1: Yep. 100%. 100%. Vitalik created a, a good framework around it a few years ago of um, bulldozer governance versus thetocracy vetoocracy mm-hmm. governance. Mm-hmm. And vetoocracy is basically just like vetoocracy. So it's really just pointing to like stakeholder okay. governance, which is everything that we right. know in decentralized governance today. And then bulldozer governance is more around giving specific individuals like high amounts of autonomy mm-hmm. um, with like you can think of it more as like optimistic governance. It's like sure. we're gonna assume that David's gonna act benevolently right. on behalf of this organization. It's a good bet until he <laughs> <laughs> until he proves otherwise, <laughs> and then we slap him on the wrist for it. Right. Um, so and like, we don't
0: go go crazy until they f it up, and then as soon as they f it up, it's like and then pull the plug. Exactly. Yeah. But
1: we don't really have like mechanisms for that today. Like again, mm-hmm. the only like widely adopted primitive that we have is the governor contract. How many times will I say the governor contract (laughs) in this podcast? Um, But that's like really the only widely adopted primitive that we have and the only way we know how. And I think people have had a really hard time with bulldozer governance and again, giving um, individuals or groups of individuals high amounts of power or autonomy um, because we haven't really had the accountability systems to ensure that they act benevolently. Like Mm. we are all too familiar with malicious actors. Um, And again, like we're putting a potentially a lot of power in these people. And so that's again, kind of like what Orca enables is creating these more flexible and modular permission systems. So that um, when we, you know, put David in a pod and delegate to the pod, like some essential governance functions, like let's say even some like protocol parameters, like you get to mess with um, the contracts even. Mm. we need to make sure that we can pull back those parameters at any moment or pull back you from those parameters at any moment. And to this state, we really haven't had mechanisms like that to create better accountability systems around individuals that want to um, fill into high-performing roles in organizations.
0: Okay. Okay, so at one level, I'm like, well, this makes this makes a ton of sense. Yeah. There, the general state of DAOs, I would say... There, for every like 100 DAO people, there are like three that do (laughs) stuff and get stuff done and move the needle. And then there's 97 people watching. Yeah. And so, all about uh, putting more power and resources into those three people. Mm -hmm. But where I'm still confused a little bit is like, why does putting them into a pod change anything? Like, cool, we have like on chain permissions Mm -hmm. and on chain org charts, and maybe we can just put capital from the, big org into their smaller pod so that they have the resource to go and run with it. Yeah. But like what does actually compartmentalizing them inside of a pod like they they were going to go and build stuff anyways what do we really unlock by putting them into a pod.
1: Yeah so you're basically creating this flexible container that's able to actually interact in the governance system. Mm-hmm. So Like we all know that that already happens with like multi-sigs is like, Mm -hmm. you know, people set up a multi-sig and then they get funding and then they go and do their thing, but they're not really part of the governance system or part of that ecosystem. So what Orca um, enables is the ability to create sort of like principal agent relationships Mm -hmm. um, within these pods. So you could basically delegate what we call an admin key to another address. That could be a specific person, it could be another pod, or even like, a smart contract, for example, the governor contract. And the admin as a result has the ability to manage the members on that pod. Mm. So um, potentially in the future also manage like the rules and requirements that they're beholden to. So for example, like we could put you in a pod and say like, we're delegating the admin key to the governor contract, meaning that mm. the token holders have direct control over who sits on this pod? Not the decisions that they're making specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's just kind of breaking up some of those decision-making like powers and creating these checks and balances systems within a more dynamic governance system.
0: Okay, so like the governor contract has like access over the treasuries, mm-hmm. and so. And they also can determine who is going to be in this pot A. Mm-hmm. And so they can say like, all right, since the whole entire DAO, the big DAO, through the governor contract says, let's give pod A $10 million of resources, put $10 million in their treasury, and they also get to update the contracts. And so they only, they don't get to rug the entire treasury, but they do get to upgrade the software that the DAO runs. So like if this is Yearn, for example. Mm-hmm. So we've got Yearn Core contributors, give them $10 million for their salary for 2023. And then they also can like update the strategies. And but they can't do can't rug the entire treasury. And maybe there's some other stuff too. But like I'm, I'm on the right track here.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. like a good example is what we just did with Tribe, which I know is very contentious <laughs> right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a lot of drama around some of the recent votes that happened. Um, which I think was also potentially like misdirected. Um, because it actually worked exactly as it was intended. So an implementation we just did with Tribe was creating NoteDAO, mm-hmm. which is basically um, Tribe created a few pods for each of their products specifically mm-hmm. to hold um, like contract powers over. And ah. those pods are have the autonomy to make decisions over those. But they're wrapped with a time lock contract, meaning that um, token holders have the ability to veto decisions that they make. So again, we're assuming you're mm-hmm. acting correctly, but, and like, it's kind of an optimistic governance implementation, but if we disagree with a decision that you make, like we have the opportunity to veto that and participate in these sort of governance decisions. And that's what recently happened. Um, mm.
0: So the pods can do whatever they want, mm-hmm. but the meta, the big DAO can veto that.
1: In this specific example, in this specific example. that Tribe did of right. nope DAO. that was, yeah, that was right. the case. Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. Cool. And so like it'll, the, if the in this particular case, tribe will, or the, the one of the smaller DAOs, one of the smaller pods will go and do something and it'll do something again and then do something again and hopefully they keep on working and then they do something stupid and then the DAO is like, no, we don't like that one. Yep. But up to that point, they had the total freedom and sovereignty to do whatever they want. And exactly. they still have freedom and sovereignty to do whatever they want, but the DAO still gets the ability to say, say no.
1: Exactly. Right. And so that's creating these more dynamic governance systems. And also I think what's worth calling out is that Behind the scenes, like that, it could be argued that that's how a lot of this runs regardless. Mm -hmm. Like in a bunch of the big protocols is that, um, you know, we all know the meme of like the core contributors and investors run everything. Like Mm -hmm. they can basically sway the vote in any direction that they want and potentially behind the curtain, that's already what's happening. But I think that's a really dangerous game to be playing is like, if we're not honest about the power structures that do exist, then we Mm -hmm. can't actually grow those systems Um, And so I think it's really important to be like a lot more honest about the structures that do exist in these organizations, because Mm -hmm. then we can meaningfully scale them and continue to um, grow them beyond just like, you know, a group of 20 insiders.
0: Cool. Cool. One of the um, critiques that uh, of DeFi governance, DAO governance is that like there's so many inactive participants in DAO governance yeah um and this was this has been true this has been true since MakerDAO so even before we had called it DeFi mm. there was DAO governance because there was MakerDAO and even at best there would be like 20% MKR participation and that was back in 2018 when MKR supply was super concentrated I don't even think we're anywhere close to that now yeah my, my in defense of that Ab- an abstention or a non-participation of MKR voting in that in or just in DAO voting in general mm-hmm. could also be implied as uh, if you're not getting up off of your butt to go vote with your tokens in a DAO, it's because the vote wasn't controversial enough to get you to mo- get up off your ass, or or you just were down for it to go through anyways. Yeah. Do you agree with that take? And how? And is that a good state for DAOs to be in?
1: Um I agree with that take but I don't know if it's a good state for Das to be in. Okay. Like I think again you're leaving it up to like the whim of the of the few engaged participants to decide mm-hmm. if this is meaningful enough for them. And so as a result, you leave like a lot of power on the table to be taken by whoever that whoever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think again, like w- that is like a super fair outcome is that there is a group of like specific people that feel that they have the expertise to vote on maybe the most boring proposals that no one cares about, mm-hmm. but why are we not empowering them further in the organizations to just make those decisions freely?
0: Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Um, is that, that, that doesn't unlock everything, right? That I feel like this is one small yeah, one small thing before we get to a much larger vision of highly sophisticated DAO
1: 100%. 100%. Structure. But I think that's like a, a key part of it is that we really haven't seen like that much innovation or experimentation happen in DAOs mm-hmm. in the last few years. Like mm-hmm. they've all been following the same formula. And I think that's really problematic is like we need to be continuously iterating and like testing out new frame, like implementations of, of how we're executing these decisions and growing the organization. Um, But unfortunately, I think governance has been like too high stakes to, for anyone to like have the balls to do that basically.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think we do too much voting? Like shouldn't the idea for DAOs to not to do minimum viable voting
1: Uh
0: as in only the biggest things should really go to vote and the smaller things and medium things should be kind of figured out in other mechanisms that mm. don't require the signing of a ledger. Mm. And should be like more broken down into its subcomponent parts and like let smaller pockets of the DAO make those decisions in a more centralized fashion rather than it I feel like the long term of DAOs should feel a little bit like a court model. Like where if mm-hmm. some if a really big important decision is contentious, yeah. it goes all the way to the Supreme Court, which is like actual token vote at the, yep. at the whole entire DAO level. And then uh, smaller, more minutia things, as in like, do we accept marketing firm A or marketing firm B is not token vote, but like done at the, the like a uh, county level yep. where there's like, you know, only a sub fraction of the DAO. Are we, should DAOs just ultimately be that same sort of structure of just like trying to answer decisions as quickly as possible on the, per, as mostly on the periphery as possible?
1: Um. Yes, because I think again, then you're taking the weight off of the token holders. Mm-hmm. So like if we have an ops pod that is strictly tasked with like approving, you know, different payment forms, like, yes, we choose marketing firm A versus marketing firm, firm B, like that immediately frees up bandwidth from the rest of the token holders to vote like you argued Mm -hmm. on things that are actually contentious and actually important. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you kind of were just like pod pilled in what you were describing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's basically like what we're envisioning is like, Uh you need to be able to create these systems to delegate power away and create these checks and balances systems. Like Uh I was a politics major, like love political systems, like love studying all this. And however terrible the U (laughs) S government is like, they were onto something and at least the the theoretical implementation
0: at one point in time, they they were onto something
1: long, long time ago, (laughs) um, in the theoretical implementation of like a three branch government, Uh you know, like the different branches of government act on different things and that they all hold each other accountable in different ways. Um, and I think that is like a, would be an interesting model for people to work towards, not necessarily mm-hmm. in copying the U.S. government. Right. I'm absolutely not yeah. supporting that message. Um, but I think more just in creating a, like multi-stakeholder group governance rather than just this one bucket we have of token holders.
0: Right. So for, for what it's worth, like if you tally up all courts inside the United States, mm-hmm. There's pro- probably like a pretty good number of decisions done per day, yeah, per, per second,
1: 100%. right? Like,
0: and and yeah, and it's like some of some of them are bigger, more contentious, so they funnel upwards and upwards and upwards. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when it makes its way, the few things that do make their way to the Supreme Court, it, like, it starts to get like national media attention, mm-hmm. and people start like gluing their eyes to it, and it sucks away the uh, the attention capital of everyone in the United States because it actually like Roe v. Wade, for example, the entire the country puts down what they're doing to pay attention yeah. to that. Yeah. So like resource, highly resource consumptive when something goes to the, the Supreme court. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is like, and we've used this line on bankless a number of times, the United States is like the original model of a doubt. Yep. Like it is the, the OG let's push decision-makings towards the margins. Let's have yeah. a representative democracy uh, mm-hmm. and like we will have the central government, but then we'll have also have state, state rights and states governments and yep. the states are like, well, like we're also kind of big too. So we're going to go down to the counties and the counties go down to the cities. Yes. Uh, and, and so like, is this, this is this like the, this tree structure? Is this, this, is this what you call or getting orca Is this this whole thing? <laughs> yes.
1: 1000%. You are yeah. officially orca Congratulations. Congratulations. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be like, think about that. If we actually created a system like that within a DAO, like mm-hmm. think about how much, more productive and efficient we would be like mm-hmm. rather than everything rolling up to like a single body right now right. like that is our only option that we have currently yeah it's kind of ridiculous it is it's crazy yeah. but i think that's also just saying that like we're really early like <laughs> the other favorite line of pink <laughs> we're so <laughs> early <laughs> and these are so so nascent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i think again it takes a lot to like unlearn what we know. Like the corporate model is so ingrained in us Mm -hmm. um, is like the only way that organizations can be built. And that takes like a lot of unlearning to think about Mm -hmm. how we can decouple that. Um, And so I think we're like just at the beginning, but like I truly believe that in the future, DAOs will be more efficient than traditional organizations, because Mm -hmm. the most important part is you're putting people as close as possible to the decision-making like Mm -hmm. meat space of that organization. Like with the use of like Trustware, you are quite literally giving people the execution power to perform what they need to do. And that is not something that's available in traditional organizations. If you wanna make a decision in a Mm -hmm. traditional organization, good luck, like send it through the chain of command, Mm -hmm. get that budget analysis going, like start doing all those things. And those, I'm not saying that those aren't things we should practice in DAOs. Like we can still, I think, learn a lot in terms of implementing some of those practices. But I think the key part is that you're bringing people who potentially have like the most expertise and excitement to work on those things as close to the decision meet space as possible
0: right the The vision that I'm getting picking up on a little bit, and this is a theme that I've noticed throughout the space, like yeah uh, the one of the first times I kind of figured out this pattern was with uh, Justin blouse mm-hmm. uh, platform Royal, where like if you have a creator and the creator can have a token, you give the audience or the fans a way to reverberate the value that they see from the creator mm-hmm. and and so, like it's a two way flow of value from like the the creator creates the creation and then he gives it out to his fans, and then the fans are like, we really like that. Here's our feedback, mm. and that feedback comes through the voice of the token. Mm. And what I'm seeing with like uh, traditional orgs, traditional hierarchies, it's huh. only one way. Yeah. It's top down. You are bestowed your duties, yeah. and then you do them, and you don't really have a way to like give you feed, give feedback back up to the top. Yeah, you just you have you receive your inputs, you give your outputs. And your outputs are the product of your labor, but not the outputs of your opinion. Your, yep. your opinion kind of stays fixed. So like if you have the opinion of we should change this, I have an opinion about how we should do this differently. That, that part doesn't flow back up. That part just stays in your brain and starts to accrue resentment. And then you put your job <laughs> and go into Web3. Exactly. And
1: so exactly. so like,
0: if we have this uh, flow of uh, this org structure of DAOs, which is a little bit more just like uh, back and forth where information does flow both ways mm. that is like that is in line with the pattern i see web 3 where like you actually get to have feedback and autonomy and agency much more fluidly than just like a top-down organization
1: 100 percent. and i think that's speaking a lot more to the future <coughs> of work and the future of like labor markets and economies it's mm-hmm. like no one wants to be like a corporate right. like person their whole life anymore like that generation is like very outdated at this point mm-hmm. like People are changing jobs like every few years now. They want to level up. They want to get closer to the decision space. Like, a lot of people are just quitting their corporate jobs entirely and going freelance. Like, these are all the sort of labor trends that we're seeing and how people want to participate in these organizations and um, make meaningful contributions that isn't just creating like, you know, labor liquidity at these massive corporations.
0: Mm-hmm. Labor liquidity, nice.
1: That's Um, my new favorite word.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh okay. How do how do we get there? How do we go from having one DAO oh my gosh. It's like it's like the you know the modular blockchain thesis?
1: Tell me. Yes. Or
0: the modular versus monolithic.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So
0: like we're now in the state of monolithic DAOs. Yes. And we need to become modular DAOs. Yes.
1: Exactly. Nice. Exactly.
0: Modularity is tight.
1: Pod-pilled. It yes. is. It's the most important.
0: How do we how do we go from monolithic DAOs to modular DAOs? Because you know, Ethereum's been trying to get modular to, to extend the metaphor, Ethereum's yeah. trying to be modular for years now. Yeah. Uh, is, are we gonna have a hard time turning our monolithic DAOs into modular DAOs?
1: I mean, that's a big part of what we're doing. Like mm-hmm. I think one of the answers is pods. Is like, how do we start to break down um some of these governing systems or start to delegate power away from this monolithic structure um and i think we feel like very impassioned with helping DAOs to do that i think the biggest part is that you have to operate within the faulty coordination systems to mm, to, <laughs> <laughs> to implement the improved coordination systems. <laughs> so it's a bit of a
0: mm-hmm. chicken and egg problem yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: a coordination problem? Yeah,
1: <laughs> which we're very familiar <laughs> with. But I think generally, like most DAOs are, are moving this direction. Like we have been memeing the pod very hard mm-hmm. for a while. And I think we're starting to see that in um, basically every DAO, like has their own implementation of pods or their o- own aspirations, flavor, yeah. or flavor towards right. pods. Like, and we've seen it with several DAOs too, like Maker has core units. Yearn created Y Teams, um, Synthetic created like the Spartan Council. These were all like early forms of delegating power towards mm-hmm. um, smaller committees or, you know, fewer individuals to give them. So we've
0: already been doing this.
1: We've seen the early implementations right. of it. Okay. I think the biggest problem, though, is, again, those accountability systems mm-hmm. is we haven't had a way to include that in our governance systems is that we kind of just have to like. Rely on right. human coordination and social trust to like send off these funds into a multi sig that is not captured by our organization.
0: Ah, uh, right. And then just hope so they do
1: what they're doing.
0: For just to pick synthetics on chain, yeah. there's like this vet DAO vote that puts money into a multi sig, but that multi sig has no on chain association yeah. with the actual org, other yes. than the fact it received money, not any sort of like backwards com- uh, flow of communication that's on chain yep and so we need to build flows like the multi is formally part of the synthetics protocol or like whatever DAO. uh and not only does does this uh pod this mm-hmm. this multi-sig receive did it receive money but it can also control other things about the protocol itself. yep
1: exactly type Tight, tight,
0: tight. tight, tight. tight. <laughs> <laughs> I am Phil. I am Oracle Phil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we love it. No, this makes sense. And like the,
0: the modular idea, I think, fits really, really well. Yeah. Um, well, one of the arguments that we make uh, about, like, the Ethereum modular strategy is that it seems to be the logical conclusion of blockchains. Like, like yeah. if you re-rolled the dice about the universe 10,000 times, maybe it wouldn't be called Ethereum, but it would be a modular blockchain with, okay. like, a data availability layer and mm-hmm. multi-clients and all this stuff. And I feel like you could make the same claim about DAOs in the future. It's like yeah. you re-roll the re-roll the dice a thousand times and very, very, very perhaps never would you ever end up at a monolithic DAO outcome. It's probably always gonna converge on modularity. It's just a matter of how we get there.
1: One hundred percent.
0: Would you say like Orca is like is is Orca primitive?
1: Yeah, I would say it's a primitive. Like I think of pods as sort of like the nodes of this contributor graph and orca the protocol Mm -hmm. manages how all of these nodes are connect interconnected with each other Mm -hmm. so that's sort of the way i would break it down
0: so after like the first DAO starts to oh it's also kind of like cellular division right you have like one monolithic cell and then it divides seven times into like Smaller cells that each start to optimize for different things. And all of a sudden yep. you can grow in body. I love nature. There's um,
1: so many like nature comparisons, technical comparisons to this, huh? like just n- n- like human comparisons to this. Right. Like it's amazing. Right.
0: Not to not to speed run through that metaphor. So let's go into that yeah, a little bit. So we got, instead, we have right now we have the monolithic Dow structure yes. as like the status quo.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, and it's inefficient can't really do anything it's trying to get pulled in all directions at once but it's just a cell so it can't yeah uh, and like so it, it's
1: a red blood cell that's right. all it's supposed to do yeah
0: it's got one thing yeah uh and so in order to go in multiple directions at once it needs to create parts of the overall cohesive structure that are optimized for that so mm-hmm. the cell starts dividing um, from one cell to two cells and two cells to many cells. And then we start like a growing appendages. And so yep. we have like...
1: And copying that DNA as it goes. Mm, like the DNA of that organization, the purpose, the mi- mission, mm, the vision.
0: The social contract.
1: The social contract.
0: Is built into the cellular division. You would hope. Ooh, I would hope so. Yeah. That's a different conversation. That is I don't, a different conversation. I don't conversation. think you have the assurances of that.
1: Social wear, trust wear pill too. Oh my God, wait, what? There's
0: another half of this conversation? Uh, Okay, but just just to to tie off the metaphor. Uh, This DAO starts growing like eyeballs to understand its own metrics and KPIs. It starts growing uh, its own hands and fingers to go and reach out to other agencies to get stuff done, to to grab more tools. Uh, And so like different parts of these DAOs start specializing and optimizing in different directions. And over time we have like, different organs with different sensory inputs and the ability to create outputs because we have modular DAOs that are optimized in many different ways, many different flavors, but they're all tied together by this one meta DAO and the meta DAO, the actual DAO is like the prefrontal cortex of the damn thing. Done. Tight.
1: Beautiful. I actually love that too. Yeah. Like imagine if we relied on our entire bodily capacity on one organ in our body. Right. Now Be- it's time
0: to beat the heart.
1: <laughs> Be the brain, heart, kidney, and bladder all in one yeah. day. Then.
0: And if you forgot about anything else, those things yeah. stop working.
1: <laughs> we will self-implode in <laughs> one day.
0: Oh my god. Okay. So how? So like part of um TradOrg's trad orgs yeah. hierarchies yeah. is that the culture doesn't extrapolate like extend, but doesn't permeate throughout the org. Yeah. Like one of the reasons why we have been at Bankless very, very intentionally slow to scale is that we, we love need, that. right? We love need, that. Everyone's got to tie into the culture before we add in another person. Yes. Right? You don't add 13 people at once because how do you scale out culture to like when we are literally a team of 13 ish or so, give or take, uh, and you double the size of your org, how yeah. do you get all of those people to add in to join the culture? efficiently so like we're very intentionally slow to scale and that's worked out really really well for us Mm -hmm. if we're trying to build out daos to and have like one dao be like fucking massive excuse language how do we get culture to also like scale out with all of these cell divisions because cell divisions is a what is it uh uh geometric growth right Mm. like like exponential growth how Mm -hmm. do we get culture to scale exponentially
1: yeah this is my other favorite topic is that You really are hitting all, tapping into (laughs) organs, Uh people. Um, But I think this is like also one of the biggest potential failures that we can tap into is that more people does not equal more productive, and that's something that like you have beautifully discovered as Mm -hmm. a leader within Bankless and growing your team is that like sure we could if we wanted to hire thirty more people and just build this machine, but like how would that you know, how would right. that DNA copy from each person right. to the next? Right. And it wouldn't lots of
0: lots of bad mutations.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. We would have some cells die on themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we have to be really aware of. Like I I always forget if it's Trake or Zaku from Coordinate that said this, but you can only scale at the speed of trust. Hmm. And so that was a big part of like our early pot thinking is that like the most basic primitive or like the smallest unit of an organization is just small groups of people. Mm-hmm. And um, like that was a big part of how I sort of landed into Orca was just thinking about consumer behavior and that we have this like obsession in web two like internet culture and also like corporate culture that um, it's just a game of the masses. like the more people, the better, more subscribers, more followers, more, you know, People in the community, like, let's just grow this thing as big as we can get. And what I saw so, like, aggressively happening and um, was just that it actually degraded those systems really, really quickly Hmm. was that, you know, if you had this, like, let's say special internet community and you decided, like, let's get to a million followers is like, it was actually way more powerful when it was like a hundred people. Right. And that path is actually really dangerous and you start to lose sort of like the value alignment and integrity of that thing right Some the followers
0: are like why are we here
1: yeah or they're like i don't really care to show up in a meaningful way Mm -hmm. and like um i think the same thing has happened with corporate companies like in building this concept of like labor liquidity like if we just hire as many people as possible that creates some type of moat for us that you know we're safe because we just have all these people to build Meaningless shit for us that so will never make it into production. Right. Um, and so uh, that was like a, a really big part of our early thinking with pods is that the most functional unit of an organization is just a small group of people. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you scale beyond like maybe eight people in that single pod, like you've you've lost it. Like mm. you've basically lost your optimal like window of effective coordination, communication, collaboration. Um, and that is really what we need to be optimizing for. So I think it's, that is kind of the way that you have to think about it. Like our, the Orca team is now 11 people and we just recently split it up into two pods because we're like, this is no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this isn't too big to have a single group Mm -hmm. of people on a meeting, talking and trying to connect with each other. Like, and we'll likely probably like break it down even further because I can only like effectively communicate or collaborate with like a kumbaya like circle of people. And that is, applies to everything. Like Uh our friends, our like corporate team, our like yoga class, like whatever it is, is that's just kind of how we naturally operate as people. Um, like the Tao world is obsessed with this Dunbar's number. right? And I think it's really relevant. It's Mm -hmm. just like The internet has created this new version of Dunbar's number that like every circle is actually thousands and thousands of people because of our digital networks. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like how are we actually meaningfully showing up and um, participating in a meaningful and engaging way in those circles? And that still looks a lot smaller. Like Mm -hmm. again, eight-ish people.
0: Right, so when you break up your pod into two pods, Mm -hmm. how how does how do those two pods coordinate like how does that happen yeah because do you need a third pod to get that done or like what what what, what happens with this
1: yeah I mean I think it depends on the group like Mm -hmm. I think that's what's sort of beautiful about the way orca operates it's like we're not opinionated about how you coordinate or how you do the work that you need to do like a lot of that lies at the social layer Mm -hmm. is
0: the answer is just figure it out it's not, yeah, it's not that hard. That, yeah. that question is actually not that big of a deal, David. I <laughs> mean,
1: it is a big deal, though, because I think that is what a lot of DAOs are struggling with right now is mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, the ops team is saying that we need to reduce our burn rate, and like, oops, we're accidentally spending $50 million a year. Like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. um And then the marketing pod is still just pumping right. out like money right. for right. ads and all of these things. So I do think it's really important. And I think that's where we sort of rely on social wear systems, like Mm -hmm. how um, do we create like a pod that maybe is a source of truth for funding and how we're allocating budgeting and and funds. But that's actually a a pod of pods where every pod has a seat at the table to advocate for themselves or Mm -hmm. um, create proposals that are aligned with, you know, how they want to proceed. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a combination. And I think it is important to be very clear about um, where there are failures in those communications.
0: Mm-hmm. What about the current state of DAO governance makes you optimistic?
1: Um, actually, the current, I think the thing that makes me most optimistic about the state of DAO governance is that people are as bearish as ever. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we're in like problem solving mentality. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like I think people are finally realizing like, oh shit, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. And like, this is creating massive ripple effects. If we don't figure this out, like mm-hmm. there will be massive liquidations. Right. There will be financial repercussions. Like we will not control our burn rate. Like all of these things are are rising. Like mm-hmm. I told you so, <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> um, but I think that's really important is that we are sort of in this like storming phase of DAOs where people are like, it isn't working. Like, right. why are we doing this?
0: If you look at the PL, <laughs> we are dead.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's we DAOs. I actually have like, I really think that um, I'm like very bullish on DAOs during a bear market because, mm-hmm. um, you know, cash is tight, like, things aren't insane anymore and i think it really pushes daos to figure their shit out and think very critically about the systems that um they're adopting as an organization mm-hmm. so um i'm actually like very optimistic for um this sense of frustration that's happening in dao governance right
0: right yes because we only move forward if we actually feel pain um exactly. and, and ironically that that is absolutely true
1: exactly um, i mean people are looking at their treasuries and they're like huh why didn't we do a treasury diversification like ten months ago? They're like, we just couldn't get the proposal through. Sorry, guys. Yeah, nope. <laughs> our
0: tokens, our tokens sound bad. Rip. Um, for all of the Dowers that are listening to this, yeah, uh, whether it's just a DAO community member or a DAO leader, mm. what would you say? And, and they're they're already pilled. And they're like, all right, like I understand the modular DAO vision. Yeah, uh, my Dow is super too monolithic. I need to make it more modular. Uh, what should steps should they take? What, are the, what needs to happen first?
1: Mm, that's a good question. I think just thinking about the biggest pain points in their organization, like mm-hmm. where are the biggest failures happening? And then also what type of structure do you want to create? I think that's like also part of the problem right now is that um, everyone just sort of looks to what's been done and people really want mm-hmm. like a template or um, a mental model to adopt. Mm-hmm. But- I think you just have to think very critically about one, like what are the essential governance functions that you have in your organization? And two, who like should basically be responsible for those essential governance functions. Mm -hmm. And that's how you start figuring out like what your organizational structure should look like.
0: Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, If people need resources to access these tools, where should they go?
1: Um, We're actually building out a ton of resources um, at Orca right now. Obviously, all of our trustware product that we're building, but yeah. we're actually building out some cool social work templates, too. Um, Chase Chapman and Frog here on our team. And Chase is obsessed with like holacracy and sociocracy, co-op models, um, and trying to take a lot of learnings from some of those systems mm-hmm. and think about how we can incorporate like productive processes and, and policies. So we actually are coming up with some really cool resources. Um, so check us out on Twitter, Orca Protocol. Um, Come through to the Discord, all of those things.
0: So, like, uh, what what is Orca though? Because cool, you guys have this cool DAO structure. Yeah, but like, what's the point? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do do you get it? It's just like like uh, Yearn DAO makes a yield aggregator, uh, Maker DAO runs a credit facility, Orca DAO is governance, but governance over what?
1: <laughs> you mean like what will Orca protocol the DAO be? Yes. Okay. Yes. What's so- the product?
0: <laughs> Other than being really good at governing, what are we don't we have to govern over something?
1: Well, so basically it's kind of what I was saying, is like the product that we're building with uh-huh. Orca are pods. That's like our key primitive that we're building, which Kinda is kind of like
0: this- how Gnosis makes Gnosis multi-sig? Yeah. Okay.
1: And so we're building this permissions wrapper around uh-huh. multi sig to create more modular governance systems. Okay. And we will con- be continuing to um I think create interesting features in that sort of governable surface area there. Um, so again, like pods are sort of like the nodes of this permissions graph, and Orca, the protocol, helps manage the relationships between those. So, for example, something that's a pro- uh, like a feature that's upcoming with Orca is that you can actually assign like arbitrary rule logic mm-hmm. to gatekeep membership. So you could assign, you know, very basic things like let's say you know, you must hold 20,000 bank tokens to sit on this pod, mm-hmm. or you must be mm. X amount active in um, like on-chain proposals right. to maintain your position in the meta governance pod. Mm-hmm. So you can start to create sort of little parameters to ensure that people are acting like benevolently or in good faith on behalf of these orcs, And I think um will help create some more like complex agreements so that, uh you know you can build out i think more interesting use cases of that so like those are examples of um protocol developments that like mm-hmm. we'll be having in the next few months so eventually like that protocol like orca the protocol element that is helping manage the relationships between pods will have like a ton of meat space in terms of what can be explored in helping mm-hmm. you know these small units interact with each other and again just build more dynamic governance systems.
0: And how does how does Orca capture resources from
1: this? It's a great question. Just also as an FYI, we are not a DAO yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is <laughs> that so what you were asking?
0: No. So, well, like, I mean, every DAO captures resources in one way or another, right? Like Uniswap yeah. can, uh, captures uh, trade fees. Uh-huh. Urine Ur- Ur- takes a, a percentage off of their yield aggregation. Yeah. Orca DAO gets money from, like...
1: Orca Protocol. Borto- Pro- Protocol. Yeah. Um, I think it's still very much to be determined. I mean, I think the sort of permissions layer of DAOs is one of the most um, important things to be mm-hmm. working towards. Um, like, I think the financial element is very commoditized. Like, and that's, that's the easiest thing to do in crypto is send money. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to move people and mm-hmm. move people around. And that's what we're simplifying with our product is... Um, Basically, the, creating this sort of orchestration layer for DAOs and organizations to better manage.
0: The orchestration. <laughs>
1: orchestration nice. layer for DAOs to better manage the relationships, the contributors, and permissions that exist within their organization.
0: Cool. Yeah. One one last question that might be off in a different direction, but like say some DAO org just like, just kills it with a pod structure mm-hmm. and they make like this template where like, a very basic template of that kind of how like everyone forks a uh, compound the governor yeah. contract well after if if we the the compound governor contract is like the monolithic DAO mm-hmm. or perhaps just like the prefrontal cortex of a DAO which is actually where, where DAOs you would think would start is like okay if we're gonna make if you're going to make a whole entire body, you got to start with the brain because the brain has to think about how to create the body. But then some DAO is successful in going from monolithic to modular, and they create this ba- basic, uh, like system like mm-hmm. that is totally copyable. Can like other orgs just just cop- take that off yes. the shelf and just like start spitting out DAOs yes. and have like a, a a bull mania for DAOs?
1: Yes, that's what's so fucking cool right. is that um, we're like going to help also build out those templates so we're in the process of building what we call the podarchy builder mm-hmm. so podarchy pod hierarchy nice little nice. map nice. system we were going to call it podography but it sounded too much like pornography
0: yeah that's pretty close yeah <laughs> you, podography you approve yeah.
1: of our word choice yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um where you can actually like go and explore other like dao so you could go and see like tribes Noked out implementation and say mm-hmm. like that's really cool to like mm. you can have this time lock contract around the pods right. and blah 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 you can quite literally like duplicate that and, and it-
0: plug it plug yep. it right in exactly cool like yep. build a block uh institution <laughs>
1: yes exactly
0: <laughs> oh my god well I mean this fits right into the whole idea that crypto just does everything that we've already done before but faster and yep. better and yep. forkable and replicatable
1: yes all the things that we love. Cool. I know. I'm so excited.
0: This is making me bullish on Dallas. <sighs>
1: I love it. See, yes. I knew I would get you there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jules, thanks to you for coming on uh, Layer Zero and pilling me about Orca.
1: Of course. Thanks, David, pod, for having pod me. Pilling, pod pilling? Pod pilled. Pod pilled. 100%. All right,
0: listener. You just got pod pilled if you listen to this podcast. <laughs>